have to say the prayer again. I forgot to record. Uh, God, please set aside everything that I think I know about you, the steps, the big book, recovery, what's best for others, what's best for me. Help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy on me. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, we had some special birthdays. So I told him I'm going to limit this to 20 minutes. The over and under in Las Vegas is what? It's a plus 100 or 200. I don't know what those things mean because I don't gamble. But uh, we'll see. We're, we're finishing up resentments. I've done four, four talks on the purpose of the big book and resentment because resentment symbolizes the bondage to self. This, this running the world, this uh, uh, getting disturbed by and judging and and getting uh, acting on it and carrying it around and and in the fourth step in the beginning we're getting trying to get rid of these major blockages and we can see when we write it down how we're in bondage to the people we resent and we're in bondage to myself and when I'm in bondage to self I'm running the show I'm trying to fill my instincts of life and I get wrong judgment, which is resentment. And we look how we can be free of that. I, don't worry, I'm not going to read those paragraphs again. But uh, on page 66 and 67, it tells us exactly how to do that. We had a nice woman here Saturday, and she went on about the resentment that she had. And she was sick for two days from it. She was so upset. And so, uh, she's been sober a while. And I said, well, you need to do your fourth step. And she said, well, I'm only on step two. And I said, well, you've been sober a while. And you see what happens? She has a sponsor. And you see how they just, so I said, you need to start writing. And we had some women at the meeting. And they talked to her afterwards. Because you can't go long from the last drink without starting this work. Uh, your emotions will build up. And you won't have any power not to drink. And we have to destroy self-centeredness. And to do that, it's action, like Eric said. We've got to take action. First three steps is, is where we're deciding to move out of the world where I am in bondage to me to a world where I'm in bondage to God. And for those who are Christians, when Paul wrote Romans, he said he's a bondservant to Christ. And those are very powerful words that people read, but they don't think about. He's sold in bondage to his, his Lord. And we want to separate from the bondage to me to the bondage to my God. And it's not easy. It takes continuous work. And then Paul also writes in chapter 7 how it's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And we cannot stop doing what we don't want to do, but we have a power now. And, and so it's very powerful. And so we, we went through the prayers and how to be free of fear. Now I'm going to talk about with talk could either be the fourth, fifth, or sixth columns. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just are you answering these questions? So they're going to say on page 67, referring to your list. So you have this list. 
putting out of my mind the wrongs others had done, and remember, it could be fancied or real, may not be true. And who decided what they did was wrong? I did, right? But I'm gonna put that out of my mind. This is my inventory, not theirs. Now, when I came to AA, I went to a lot of meetings, and I thought inventory was gonna be fun, because we're gonna tell you how bad they were. And I heard a lot of meetings, how bad they were. You get it? And that just keeps you sick. I didn't know enough in I, the meetings at that time, I'm not saying they're good or bad, I don't know if they're still like that at some, but people will talk about their resentments and tell you how bad they are, and, or the ex-wife or whatever. And until you actually hear the truth, what I've learned is there are two sides to everything. And so we're seeing the, the truth now. We saw it wrong. Now we're gonna look at the truth behind my judgment. I resolutely look for my own mistakes. So I, I have people make a comment and write, what was my mistake? What did I do? What did I do? And it's always I'm being inconsiderate because I'm judging. And people are just people. They're human beings. And they're, they, they have their self-will. And I can't get mad at sick people. They are who they are. Right, Eric? Patty's Patty. I had to say that this morning. Patty's Patty. She was saying Michael's Michael. And we had a good day. You get it? It's, it's the way it is. But, but I have to look, what did I do? Did I, did I yell at someone? Did I judge someone wrong? Did I act, send a text message? I think texting is very dangerous for AA, Alcoholics Anonymous members. <laughs> You don't want to text when you're upset. You don't want to call someone you're upset. You don't want to act on your anger. You don't want to keep it. I kept it. That's another mistake. I stayed angry. So it's always I was angry because I don't have to be angry. Here's a book by Paulo. You can't make me angry. For those listening on podcast, he was the one who wrote Acceptance is the Answer. The book's great. And he makes the point anger is a choice. I've had people argue with me about it. I don't know why they would, but anger is a choice. And I don't have to choose to be, now I could start to get angry, but I don't have to hold it anymore. I don't have to give it power over me. So you can write out what you did. Um, and um, then the second set of questions, and they, you, these are the same questions that they give you uh, basically for your uh, self, sex inventory and for your inventory at night. Where had I been selfish? Now in step 10, when I'm in the world of the spirit with God, and I've tried to move out of Michael's world to God's world, it says we watch for selfishness, dishonesty, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove. And so that's the thing. Am I watching for self? So here's the first time for people where you're actually looking at it. Where had I been selfish? Where, where was I self-will run riot? Was I dishonest about my motives, about the situation? Was I seeking something for me and was I frightened? And the other thing is that we use resentment to transfer blame to someone else. We don't want to look at ourselves. So I've had a lot of... Uh, people I've worked with who have exes. And we've learned quickly that 
the ex may stay the way they are and angry at you, or your wife if or your husband if you're still in a relationship, because it works for them. Then they don't have to look at themselves. And so we have to just accept that we pay the bill, we, we make our amends however it should be done, we work through that, our eighth and ninth step, and then we let it go, because they may never change. But we shift blame. If you, uh, my, uh, my wife's going through a tough time with her daughter, who's extremely self-centered, and probably one of us. And I think she is, but she gets mad at mother because she doesn't want to look at herself. And she has problems with her husband, so she, she blames mother and her childhood for marrying someone who treats her badly. For now, alcoholics will understand that. It makes sense, right? And it's hard for her. And my wife's heard the talks, and she's listened enough, and she knows that we have to pray for her. And it's not about her. It's about the other person. And she's not going to let that person dominate her in her mind, but she would pray for. And we said prayers that she would open her heart to the Lord. But it's, it's, uh, it's there. And so a situation, and so you write out, you write the answers to the questions. So a situation not been entirely my fault. We tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where was I to blame? And when you look at your life and you look back and you see these resentments and you see these decisions that you made based on self, you feel bad. You have regret. <coughs> and remember, the inventory is ours. It's not the other person's. The names don't matter anymore. What they did doesn't matter. We want to see. We're learning from this paragraph. It's my character when I'm in self that my characteristics on the left-hand side of the card, my impatience, my intolerance, my judgment, my anger, my inconsideration, my envy, jealousy, all those, all those character defects are in play when I'm in self. So when I'm looking at a situation with my self-centered glasses, I judge because these characteristics, our character defects are there. And we need to know this so that when we start getting disturbed, we do the sixth and seventh step where we say, God, I'm on the wrong side of the card here. I'm in self. My character's self-centered and help me be God-centered. God, take it away. Take it, change the way I see it. Just saying it and doing it changes it. Bill likes the pause on page 87. It says, when we're agitated or doubtful, it's the final instruction they give us. It says, when you're agitated or doubtful, pause and ask God for the right thought or action. Relax, take it easy, don't worry, don't make any foolish decisions, and it's so true. Isn't that what the serenity prayer is all about? We ask God for serenity, that peace of mind, so we can see the situation through his eyes. And so, when we saw our faults, we listed them, so you can list, I have people list, write their character defects. You know, by the time you're on the sixth or seventh resentment, they're all the same. In fact, they're all the same. We're threatened for some reason. We're judging something wrong. We're acting on it. We're not uh, saying the prayers. I have people say those four prayers over and over again. They get sick of me. But you have to do it because you want to forgive. 
be free of the domination of these people, and you want to be able to make amends if you need to. You want to be able to be kind and tolerant to them. And so, and we need to know our character defects that are triggered by self. And I've said that before. When you plant your tree in self, then the bark is full of your character defects. The branches are um, resentment, shame, and guilt, and fear. And the tree looks like crap. And so what we have to do all day long is replant my tree into God's soil. So if I'm disturbed at all, I'm angry, I'm bothered, my tree's in the wrong soil, Michael, replant it. Now, what happens as you're doing this for years, you get so sick of saying the four prayers. You get so sick of being disturbed that you just do it automatically. You just say, oh, there you go again. This is so silly. And when you reach that point, God is doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Because I'm only free of anger if I'm with God. If I'm in Michael, I'm not. And this is the bondage of self. We, everybody likes the third step prayer, relieve me of the bondage of self, but I don't know a lot of people understand what it means. You're in bondage to self when you're angry and when you're fearful. And your bondage to self, uh, you don't like the way things are, and your emotions build up. And all these character defects come in. They're not good. It's not good to be inconsiderate, intolerant, angry, hateful, judgmental, envious, jealous, hateful. And so uh, we see them, and we admit our wrongs honestly. So you're talking it through with another person. And you don't, it doesn't say you go through and you tell them all the bad things you did. Now in step five, uh, when he talks about you tell someone your life story, you're telling them your story in your head from how you were in bondage to self. You're telling them, and some people say your secrets and this and that. Well, if you write out your resentments and your fears, you're not gonna have many secrets in your sex inventory not going to have many secrets. So you admit your wrongs honestly. You can see. You can see the I was wrong. I had wrong thinking and I had wrong character. And I want to set matters straight. So you're, these people who you start out hating, you've now forgiven. And you may have to make amends to them. And you want to straight and repair the relationship. It's very important if you're new that you repair your relationship with anybody you're living with, anybody you've had relationships with, uh, with your children, your parents, your relatives, and then you look at work, because you go to work every day, and make sure you've, you, in your mind, you've repaired the relationship with these people and are ready to make amends. And then the, uh, these other uh, resentments, make sure you've forgiven everybody. If you haven't, keep saying the prayers. Now, I had somebody come up Saturday and say, well, they've done a thorough four-step and they're still angry at someone. They said, what should I do? I said, forgive them. Well, I can't do that. I said, well, why can't you? Well, he couldn't because, you see, we're still in bondage to self. We won't give it up. I don't know why he wouldn't forgive them. Now remember, I said it, and people may, but we have to forgive everything. Josh mentioned the thing about Auschwitz. We have to forgive something that even that. 
uh, Eric's here because his uh, daughter was, sh his sister was shot. He's at the trial. My wife's sister was stabbed, killed. And she understood she had to forgive that person. She had to have peace with it. She didn't have to excuse him or like him, but she couldn't have the anger towards that person have power over her. And so, this is so important. I know I've spent a lot of time, but if you don't know how to do this and you haven't written it out, I don't know how, you, if you're a real alcoholic, you go through the day. I, I don't know how you don't have the tool. Now, I've heard people say they don't get angry. I mean, I, I look at them and I say, boy, let's go to the hospital. Give me all your blood. Uh, we'll exchange it because I don't, you know, and there's no shame in getting angry. There's no shame in saying I was angry. There's shame in holding on to it. Maybe that's the secret they're talking about. Do you have a secret anger? You know, because it says on, on step 10, we have to discuss it with someone immediately. And um, it's true. Once you talk it, you see how silly they are. And it takes the power away from you, from them. So I'm just going to read a little bit about fear. I've got three minutes. Is that OK? Because fear, remember, causes all your resentment. And I went through that. You have to be threatened in some way, your social life, your security, your sex life. If your pride, your self-esteem, your material, your job, which you're, you think you have, your, your relationships are threatened, you get angry at the person. Now, sometimes you'll even get angry at somebody because they threaten your pride and self-esteem because you know that they don't like you. Now, they haven't said any word. You could just look at them. Or you can see that they think they're better than you. That's a good one. And then I used to get angry at these people because I knew they thought they were better than me. Now, how crazy is that? Am I crazy? Am I the only one that's ever done that? I mean, it's alcoholism. We, we see these things in our head, and we're so insecure. And remember, we're constantly being threatened. Why? We're going to read it right now. It says, notice the fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer and wife. This short word touches about every aspect of my life. My life was full of fear. And I have to remember when I'm working with someone how much fear I had when I came in here. I mean, it's, I still remember how bad it was the first month or two. It was an evil and corroding threat. So it's an evil and corroding thread, and it's woven. The fabric of my existence was shot through with it. And I still remember, like, if you go to uh, Venice or, or the, uh, a lot of the great museums in Europe, uh, they have these magnificent tapestries. They're huge. They're 30 by 40 feet. And my life was a tapestry, and woven through that whole beautiful thing was this evil and corroding thread of fear. And so my tapestry could have been beautiful, but I ruined it. And they're going to tell us why. Why would I do that? And it set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. And that would happen. I would act out of fear, and I would take an action, and it would cause me misfortune. And, and I told Patty the other night, there's something to do with trying to sell our house. I'm not going to react out of fear. I'm not going to make a decision out of fear, because I'll make a mistake. And then we did it, and we thought we, we didn't deserve it. 
But it says, did not we ourselves soft the ball rolling? I said it rolling. And so I see a circumstance, and then the result of fear about the circumstance set in motion actions that harm me. And sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. I'm at 20 minutes. I'm going to go a minute or two over. Don't call New York. It ought to be, that was funny. Uh, class was stealing. What, is, what does fear steal from you? Your peace of mind. It steals your relationship with God. It causes you to be in conflict with everybody and everything. It stole my life. How much time did you waste on fear? And then fixing the results of the actions on fear. It says, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper so you write out your fears. And we ask ourselves why we had them. Now I'm going to start with this next line, because I still remember. I didn't know anything, and my life was a complete mess. But somebody told me I needed to read this book. So I'm reading it. I get to this page. I still remember I was in the chair reading it, and it says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed? And I could see it. It was like, like a light came from heaven. Self, relying on self, caused me to set, have fear because I'm not trusting in God, I'm running the show. And then I set circumstances in motion that caused me harm. And I was relying on self. And whenever I'm gonna be in self, I'm gonna be afraid. It's that, it's that, that simple. And if I'm in God, I can't be afraid. Now remember, we write the third step contract with God. When you come in, I have people write in their book. And who ha whose job is it to worry? God. It's not my job to worry. My job is to play the role he assigns and stay close to him. His job is to worry. So that's why I have the God box. I have people make a God box. And whenever you're worried about something, you put it in the God box. And I think some people have actually done it. And then if the first few years, you keep putting the same things in there. You get tired of writing it out. And you just realize, I got to give it to God. Once it's in the box, it's in God. And so uh, I haven't written anything in the God box for a while, but I, I write up my life, and I put my life in there a lot. Just give you my life, God. And that's what you're supposed to do every morning when you ask God to direct your thinking, divorcing it from selfish design of self-seeking motives. So we'll pick up with that, and we'll go through these next few paragraphs on uh, Saturday. And then we're going to do the second step proposition exercise on fear. And it, the second step proposition is, is God everything or he is nothing? What is our choice to be? And it's on the site for those listening on the podcast under resources for recovery and under documents. Thank you.